0: Oh, this'll be good. This is the scrapyard.
1: Welcome again to The Scrapyard, the show for fans of all Blizzard games and esports. I'm Seamus Byrne. You may remember me from such Twitter handles as at Seamus, that's S-E-A-M-U-S. I'm glad you joined me for the latest episode because it is a good one. We're only seven episodes deep, so I can feel very safe in saying that this is absolutely the best episode yet for no other reason than this week I have a very special guest on the podcast. With Rastakhan's Rumble going live on December 4, we're lucky enough to have Hearthstone creative director Ben Thompson in town, and I got to sit down with him to have a talk about the game. From arriving at Team 5 with the job of making a prototype digital card game look good, through his hopes for how fans react to any new expansion, and how he feels about a surge in competition that's now out there, we get into some really interesting turf on his philosophy on doing Hearthstone the right way. Plus a whole concluding section as I make him pick his favourites from Hearthstone history. It was a really fun chat, and I think you're going to have a really good time listening to what Ben has to share. So pull up a chair by the hearth, because look who it is. It's Ben Thompson, the creative director of Hearthstone. A really good place to start for those who don't know ben thompson can you share you know a half starred tale of
0: your blizzard journey and your love for this digital card game you work on uh so i came to blizzard uh just under 10 years ago so i'm at about nine and three quarters and we say it that way because it's you're like a little kid right at 10 i get a shield well, so every month counts um, I'm very close to that. That'll be June of next year. Um, but uh, I came to, the, came to Blizzard just about that time ago and um, came in to join this little secretive team called Team 5. It was codenamed Pegasus at the time. Um, it was going to work on an up-and-coming project. At that point in time, there hadn't been a new project at Blizzard in the works for some time. So the promise of getting to work on a new license was super thrilling and very, very daunting all at the same time. Um, and when I joined, I was, I want to say, number five or six on the team. It was very, very early days. I was the first artist. And uh, upon starting, they showed me the flash prototype they had for the game, showed me that was a digital card game, uh, which is great because I'd had a lot of background in card games at that point, having worked on many for physical art, art directed uh, one, and really spent a lot of time with them outside. Um, so getting to kind of flex in a new space for a company like Blizzard was, was awesome. Um, and then basically after showing me the flash prototype was like, right, what does that look like? Like, what, what is it going to look like now? Like show us what the new style is, new look, how do pieces look, how do the cards look and all this other stuff. So it was like, okay, that's going to take some time. And uh, we we spent the next number of years uh, working together as a team, really, to develop what all this is. I mean, I I may have at the time been the only artist, but it it took all of us uh, to do that. The iteration that was involved, the conversations between people working with the user interface uh, designer at the time, Derek Sakamoto. Eric Dodds as the game director and really taking all the bits and pieces of information from everybody to come up with what we felt was charming, lighthearted, whimsical, uh, but on an epic scale with a game that was worthy of the Blizzard name. So, had a blast.
1: I think it's a really good point about that early... Side of, of leading the art, you know, I mean, we, we think about the picture that sits in the middle of the card, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when you think to the fundamental nature of, you know, like we've got a giant adventurer card back sitting beside us here in the room, um, <laughs> yeah, all the kind of that framing art and the style, you know, the the feeling that you're trying to build through those sorts of sure. elements, right down to those kind of the tactile sense of, you know, this is a physical space in a digital realm. So when you click the board, it mm-hmm. kind of has those feelings, like all those sorts of things. Uh, yeah, how? How important was that to that sense of, you know, this is different to other digital card games?
0: Well, you bring up a good delineation because you start with the art that's in the middle of that card, and that's the only piece of art that in most cases isn't created in Blizzard. So those are almost all attributed to freelance artists. I'll say the globe over. I mean, we're in more countries, we have more artists from more countries working on Hearthstone than I think any game I've worked on previously, Um, which is great. We get to work with a lot of old friends from the illustration community, people that I'd both worked alongside as a painter myself or an art director previously, um, and now getting to work on this game from scratch with them. but that meant that the rest of the game needed to have an aesthetic. And that's exactly what the job was at the time was, what do the cards look like? How do we tell them apart from one another? Is there a difference between a spell and a weapon and a minion? What are they even called? Are they called minions? Are they called you know something different? I mean, literally every single thing is in question when you're at an early, early development stage of a game. Um, the art, you know, not the least among it. So as we started to work out those things and start to figure it out and figure out we want it to be physical. We want it to feel real. Um, those were very important to us early on because it is going to be in a digital space. We don't want it to feel like a digital game. We want it to feel like a game that the denizens of Hearthstone, or I'm sorry, the denizens of Warcraft themselves could be playing in a tavern. And that was really the only way to get that was to build on that physicality. However, we definitely want to play to the digital space when we have things like visual effects get introduced. And now creating storyboards for how the effects play out. What's their animation look like? uh, How long do they take to play? Being told at the time, you know, you've got an effect that's like three seconds. We need that like a second and thinking that you can't do anything in a second. And now we talk about things in half a second, you know, and, and is that too long? Is that something where we're going to be able to keep attention or focus? Um, All of these things are part and parcel to what it takes to make it look the way it looks, feel the way it feels. And Ultimately, what's the most compelling
1: for the player? I mean, it's funny when animations do, you know, do at times they've become that sort of weird effect where it's like, oh, it's it's like stealing somebody's turn because the animation is too long. Yep. It must be annoying when it's like, you need to make that animation a fifth of a second now instead of
0: (laughs) it's it all adds up right i mean that effect and this effect are each a half a second but between the two of them it's taken a second and that's a second less of time that the player has as you point out agency right Mm. like how much are they actually doing in the game time that's where players you know are compelled to have the most fun is when they actually have agency on a thing player control is important you never want to take that away
1: we've spoken a a few years ago probably when you know it was purely lead artist Mm -hmm. um as a creative director as opposed to just that sort of a role how how much more are you trying to oversee and you know what does your artist's
0: eye then bring to that wider creative director role uh it's a unique role uh at the company and certainly for hearthstone there's there's not that many of us uh chris metzen back in the day was creative director and now frazi abi on world of warcraft and myself so there's three of us uh in history two of us now um We could not be more different from one another already right out the gate, which means how we approach this role and how the team thinks of this role is different as well. For Hearthstone's purposes, um, really the benefit comes from um, putting under one umbrella, as it were, The creative side of things we kind of lean more into or I certainly lean into more of the creative aspects of that title more than anything else, which is still art to some extent, though Jerry uh, Masco is doing a wonderful job as he's leading more and more of the art team coming up. Um, and certainly uh, the rest of the design team is doing a fantastic job, um, you know, as we kind of manage each and every set going forward uh, from the beginning of this year, you know, earlier when uh, Ben Brode and uh, and before him, Eric Dodds left. So um, I do oversee more of the art, the design, but also things like audio. Uh, so VO, music, things like that, and working with Andy Brock and, and his team uh, to really figure out what the, the way and the light is for the audio in the, in the game itself, but also things like user interface. So Max Ma and Lorenzo and working with those guys to figure out how it plays, people interaction with the game. What are the literal buttons look like? How do you guide a player from point A to point B? How do you educate them without being pandery, but really help them kind of discover things themselves? Um, and then not even on the team itself, but things like cinematics for the game. So all the storytelling cinematics, um, a lot of the marketing materials that go in when there's visuals, certainly ascribed or otherwise, um, all kind of fall under the purview of this. So it it's a much, much more splintered role, but ultimately uh, as challenging as that makes it, it's what makes it fun too. It really, really is an interesting day each and every day and No one day kind of looks like the last. It's they're all unique in another own way.
1: Awesome. Uh, So, yeah, the pitch for Rumble. Yeah, what excites you most about this
0: set and what it's going to do to the state of the game? There's a number of things that excite me about it. Uh, First and foremost, trolls. Uh, Trolls are something that even back in since the day of the original adventures, we look at Curse from Axoramus, look at League of Explorers. Trolls have been on a whiteboard at some point or another in each and every time we've talked about a new expansion or a new adventure. Since then, um, it's they are a seminal piece of you know World of Warcraft. You know, you look at Warcraft Two and Warcraft One and Three. I mean, all of these have some DNA of trolls in them, um, and as a result, they're really, really exciting as a as a race, as a people, aesthetically, all of it. Um, And we've been hearing for a while from Reddit and others, you know, like, where's the troll set? When are we going to get trolls up in here? And we've had a couple here and there, but um, this is the first time we really get to lean wholeheartedly into it. That in tandem with the idea of what Warcraft is doing with Battle for Azeroth really created a, a... a happy coincidence in terms of timing because as we were developing this set and starting to explore things like overkill and starting to discuss relationships between certain cards for combinations, ultimately what would become Spirits and Loa, Um, That started to lay the groundwork for, oh, this might be it. This might be the perfect time for trolls. And then trying to build a story into that that made a lot of sense for Hearthstone. And how do we, you know, there's only so many tribes. There's not nine, you know, in Warcraft. So how are we going to do this in a way that still ascribes to the classes? And as that started to winnow down to, oh, maybe it's actually not about the tribes. It's about the classes. And then being represented through all these different Loa actually as these almost mascots for these teams that they, you know, form within the arena itself. And the light kind of went on collectively and everybody got really excited about what we could do with that. We get to celebrate trolls that we haven't seen or heard from in Hearthstone to date, um, and then re-celebrate some that we have in some ways in the past, and then even introduce things like Captain Hook Tusk, who is solely in Hearthstone, um, though she's definitely a, a favorite among the team being a pirate, because I do not <laughs> like a pirate, um, and just a strong female character as well, so... All of those things are exciting as far as gameplay and things that I can see really helping change uh, the meta, certainly for Hearthstone in the near and and hopefully mid-future, would be a lot of the things I mentioned previously. Spirit and Loa's are one of the most compelling things for me personally. I can't wait to see how the interaction between these two card types plays out, mostly because they celebrate player choice. Player choice is an important thing in... I'd say any type of game, but specifically a game like Hearthstone, where the choices you make as a player are very, very important in each and every turn and how you react to the opponent across from you. Um, Choice becomes an important thing. And unlike a lot of other combos where you kind of have to let A happen before B is even possible, before you can hope to get to C... Things like the spirit-loa combinations can happen and play out in multiple different ways. Do I play my spirit first and then the loa? Do I play the loa first and then both spirits afterwards? All of these bear out different results. And as a result, your player choice becomes even more important and how you react as opposed to how you proactively do things on the board, equally compelling
1: seem like quite a few of them have a nice effect of kind of reloading your hand quickly mm-hmm. and things like that as well so um definitely an interesting dynamic there for you know what i guess has has already been a you know uh, an era where you know controllers kind of work well so people have kind of full hands but now there's definitely a few more opportunities to sure. to empty your hand and then know that you're going to be able to get a chance to reset it so clearly that's kind of a, a, a cool new element as well
0: that's certainly a fun part of it um As somebody uh, who plays Warlock a lot, um, discard is always something that... Never felt great. I'm always liking to be as prepared as possible, uh, even though I am the guy that hits the hero power far <laughs> too often as a warlock, maybe more often than I should. Um, so something like that becomes really important or powerful. You know, we start looking at Hyreek the Bat and how mm. that's going to play into that type of play style. I'm really fascinated to see how that works out. But equally with the priest, and you start seeing like one zombie and how it, all of the, the way that that priest mechanic is going to play into not just the shadow vibe, but the resurrection qualities of this, where um, I think uh, Danae said it best when he was uh, in a video that he had just recently launched saying, even when you're dead, you're not off the team. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're going to bring you back and we're going to finish this game one way or another. Um, and it's it just creates some really, really awesome gameplay. I agree. Yeah, awesome. Um, look, when it comes to the way of, you know, every,
1: every launch is going to have sort of just the hordes of people deciding sort of how they want to react to it. You know, what's the ideal reaction to a new set? I'm curious if that's things like, you know, a lot of things get shaken up or there's a few key shakeups, or is it just, to, you know, if, if you hear a balance of people shouting that they hate it and they love it all at the same time, you think, well, we're probably right there in the middle where we need to be.
0: Um, I would say the best reaction is a reaction. Whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's pro, whether it's against, you want all of that. Uh, The worst case situation is no reaction because that means they don't care. It means we don't care. It means, you know, bad things for anything that you're working on, be it a game or just anything in life. What you want is that impassioned reaction. Um, So a game like Hearthstone does get its fair share of impassioned reactions from players. Um, And even within the development process itself, there's a lot of passion on the team for certain ideas or goals or ambitions for certain sets or certain cards, Uh, even certain card effects. You know, it's every time you have to remind yourself, whether it's a player saying those things or a developer, it's coming from a place of people wanting the game to be as good as it can be or better. Um, that's almost always where that's coming from. Nobody's actively saying what they're saying because they want to see it go bad. You know, they're saying it because they believe it can be even yeah. better. Um, and if you remind yourself of that often, um, and sometimes you have to, um, then, you know, that's it, it ends up coming out as it should. It almost always works out the way you want it to or the way it should work out, regardless of how you see it at the moment. Uh, so it's something we talk about a lot, and it's certainly, you know, we want to look at those player reactions and see them for what they are, but also read between the lines of those reactions and really understand what players are are saying like really saying or really asking um and make some informed decisions on the back end with that
1: how do you also take the pulse of the more casual players out there who you know aren't visiting the forums and aren't sort Mm -hmm. of you know vocalizing every thought on twitter um but clearly now, you know, with the announcement of 100 million players out there, it's like there's a big crowd of people who just sure. like playing the game. Uh, you know, are there data points that you kind of look into or is, you know, are there different aspects of how you you get that broader pulse of what people are caring about in the game?
0: Um, it, it is harder to get those numbers for sure. You know, it is harder to kind of speak directly to certainly the new player, but even just the quiet kind of casual player. Um, And I think that's where the important part comes in, the diversity of players and player types, even on the team itself. Um, We have a broad, diverse group of people on the team. We've got, you know, your balance designers, which are almost always very hardcore you have hit legend multiple times they understand the ins and outs and intricacies intricacies of this game um at the same time you have people who i would actually group myself with which is a little more on the casual side and while i understand the idea or the ideals behind some of those meta uh, I am not the person who's going to discover them, and I'm certainly not the person who's going to be getting a deck named after them because of <laughs> my foresight and understanding of this game. Um, but really just enjoy the gameplay for what it is in and of itself, and that the reward is in a sense of I've had fun along the way, whether I lost or i won – player stories mean a lot to those people. Um, So if you're a casual player, you probably are more focused on the fun side of things rather than winning all the time, um, or at least trying not to lose more than you win. Um, And are instead focused on the, did I have fun? Did I come out with a good story I can tell my friends? That way that I lost that just was that last card drawn or the way that I won due to the fact that this one card that I drew off the top or this combo that I got to go off that I'd never gotten before, those are compelling those are the kind of gameplay moments that you really want for the casual player Um, and somewhat the new player too Um, though with the new player your challenge is more along the lines of helping instill in them or educate in them um, how how the to best play or how to best approach the game in a way that sets them up for future fun and happiness within the game setting you don't want to set expectations weirdly so that their first interaction with the game doesn't replicate what the game actually is 80% of the time or more. Um, So it is to your point, a hard thing to gather data on a hard thing to really consistently know we are speaking correctly to those people, but it's something that we consciously and always try to find out and seek out new representatives of that within the company. And even just, you know, friends and others, you know, of people at the company who've not played the game yet. Um, and find out what their, their interests are and goals, um, to be a little long winded about it. This was always a big thing, uh, for Eric Dodds, uh, from day one, which was, um, he, he loved nothing more than to sit down with somebody who had never done a thing before a certain mechanic played the game at all any of these things and just watch them and he had an incredible amount of restraint and ability to when the player was up against it not reach over and move their mouse for them or not point (laughs) to something on the screen and go you should be doing this I always always admired in him and still do the amount of restraint as a designer that he has to not do it for you or to say you're doing it wrong but just to quietly ask what do you think like what would you do if, if I wasn't here what would you do to try to fix this and I think I try to and certainly others on the team try to carry forward that same patience and that same foresight in design and uh it's it's challenging but it's something that if you if you adhere to it pays dividends.
1: It's something that you know if for those of us who might have been there back at the sort of the beta era um that there's probably a lot of those hardcore players who haven't actually seen the really great introduction experience that is attached yeah. to the game sort of, you know, happen a little bit later than that. Um, but, you know, my kids play as well. And so I sort of saw it when I started introducing them. And, and it is it's such a kind of a great process of, of playing through this early sequence of, of, you know, semi games that are just such a good tutorial that attaches the story and all those elements to actually get you into this sort of comfortable space of okay here's how it works we're very
0: proud of the tutorial for the game and you're right as a long-time player you you will forget over time kind of what that felt like the first time and there's no replicating it right your first time is your first time um but it is something that we looked back at and do look back at when setting up things like the new player experience revamp that we just recently did um, instituting, you know, 25 more ranks at the head of it. So now it's 50 to 25 and then 25 to one or legendary mm. um, as being a part of that so that we can kind of broaden the pool a little bit. It's not all the shallow end of the pool now and the sharks aren't every, everywhere you look, but rather, you know, a new player gets to continue that new player experience instead of jumping right in the eight foot deep area. Uh, or whatever meters that translates <laughs> into um, right out of the tutorial experience, and and f- having an immediately different perception on a game that they were liking up until that point, and we're very conscious of that, and want to continue to make improvements wherever possible. There, cool. Um, back to some of the art sort of side of things.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you know, you know, are there actually any of the classic card backs or any of the kind of champions that gets used the most sort of out there in the know, are they like really old school card backs that you see that people actually do use is that
0: even a visible data point that you guys are able to see um i I, among players not so much though that makes me want to actually find a way to to data point (laughs) that because i'd be super perfect like I, i don't know somewhat egotistically curious as to which among the artists have the most card backs in play currently (laughs) right now because we've all done at least a handful at this point, certainly. Um, But I would say one that we hear, there's a number that we hear consistently are pretty popular. Um, The Cupcake card back (laughs) is a a longtime favorite of a lot of players and there's a number that still play with it today. Um, I would say the Fireside card back, the Hearthside or Fireside card back that's the stained glass window Um, that one tends to be pretty popular and see a lot of play. Um, and then from there, it kind of just depends, right? Because if you're somebody that puts a lot of importance on the heroic side of the early adventures, then that heroic card back has a lot of meaning to you. Uh, but somebody who hasn't played through the adventure and doesn't know it on site, it may mean less to, you know, over time. So it really does kind of come down to the aesthetics of the thing ultimately for card backs. Certainly, um, Boards, You know, they're, when we say, you know, you can't even choose those. They are random when they come in. Um, but there are those that we find that people are like, oh, yes, cool. I like playing with this board. I like making the volcano go off on the Angora board. Or I like launching the rocket on the Goblins versus Nomas board. Although it may be, I always have to launch that rocket first thing.
1: And I love, those are I love trying to
0: get three boots on the. Oh, uh, the yes. <laughs> yes. Now, OK, so you've gotten three boots. Have you gotten a golden radish yet? No. No, no, no golden radish yet. <laughs> Uh, keep trying that yeah. one that one shows up that was still to this day I think one of John Swicker's proudest moments with the art team was coming up with that and he didn't even tell us for the first <laughs> I want to say two months we didn't even know until somebody got it and they're like did I just see that what is that uh, so that's there's a lot of fun little moments like that for sure yeah
1: um, what are, oh yeah so also reflecting on the whole idea of the year cycle, I'm curious if, yeah, when when you're throwing around ideas on, you know, okay, what creature are we going to attach to a year, mm-hmm. like does that actually feed into a, a thematic kind of driver of some kind or is it just sort of that idea of it's fun to pick a name and then sort of everything else is kind of running separately, you know, is there anything in that or is, is it because sometimes I've seen yeah. people write like, oh, and it sets the tone. It's like, sure. well, does it really? I mean, yeah. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter
0: either way. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah. Honestly, I, I would say it's asking a lot to find one that encapsulates all three sets for a year. Yeah. But certainly it has in the past inform, been informed by the first set of the year because we have a very good idea of what that one is. If we don't have the other two yet firmly in Um So if you look at like the year of the Kraken, Happened to be the year where we had, you know, the old gods and the old gods all have tentacles. Krakens have tentacles. Let's do a kraken. <laughs> yep. And sometimes that's as seriously as we take that. Yeah. Um, I th- think one of the, it's not really even a rule, but I think one of the things that's kind of always been in the back of my own mind is I don't want to pick standard zodiac symbols. Like you're unlikely to see a crab yeah. or you're unlikely to see, you know, something that would show up in our own night sky or something to breed familiarity because this is after all a fantasy world. Um, so I'd always want to, you know, make sure we put something in there that feels unique and different, even if it's not always fantastical, you know, a Kraken is somewhat, or I should say a Raven is less fantastical than a a Kraken, but (laughs) you know, it felt like the right one being that it adjoined, you know, not Karazhan per se, but certainly, you know, as many others as we could, which would, you know, shows up in there. So,
1: yeah. Have you picked next to UCN?
0: I have. We've talked uh, amongst the (laughs) team. Um, I will say next year's will be very different. Right. Uh, it'll it'll be very interesting to see what people's reactions will be uh, based on the three sets that follow that. So it's it's going to be an interesting year. I'm really looking forward to 2019. Cool. And, uh rolling that out among other things. Let the speculation
1: commence. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, now, also thinking, yeah, you know, compared to this time
1: last year, like there is a genuine kind of surge in digital card game competition out there right now. Yeah, sure. You know, growing crowd of digital card games that are actually quite good. I think there was mm-hmm. a really long time there where there was Hearthstone and Daylight, you know. I, I think a good example is that, you know, Magic finally has a digital Magic that actually plays quite well. So, you yeah, know, as we head into, you know, sort of we've got the last set now and you're kind of thinking forward clearly, you know, do you feel a responsibility to turn things up to, you know, 11, 12 or 13? Or, you know, is it just, you know, we stay focused on what we know we,
0: we do well? You know, mm-hmm. what's that kind of thinking? Or, you know, do you even worry about that sort of competitive space? Um, there's a couple different ways to answer that, to be honest. Uh, I'd say I'd start by saying um, we love how much competition comes into this space. I'd say every time a game comes into the digital card game space, it just reinvigorates us and reaffirms what we've always held to be true which is card games are a fun space they're a fun genre digital card games you know previously was not a very well populated space but one that we felt should be and felt like there is enough fun here that there should be you know a bunch of different games taken into this and we felt that hearthstone was our best possible take on that and 100 million players later we're very happy to see that a lot of players agreed um, and we continue to go at things in that light. We look at it as like, what is the best version of Hearthstone? We never, and I would say this you know, across Blizzard, honestly, but certainly where Hearthstone is concerned, we never want to find ourselves in a reactive space design-wise. We always want to make the best decision for the game that we're making and the players of that game. Um, if the design feels like a reactive design to try and accommodate other things outside of that game, you will never, ever catch that tail you know that you will constantly be chasing that and surely along the way your game will change from what it was intended to be as a result and you, you won't ever see the good side of that you know it'll it'll only ever just morph into something call it out of control or certainly not in the original vision or idea or ideals for that game um we have always a- approached games at a company level, but again, certainly on the Hearthstone team from the perspective of we are players ourselves. Uh, we make what we enjoy and, and love playing. Um, we think that shows, certainly, in the end result of it. And uh, there's a you know good number of players who feel similarly to that. Um, it's a It's a losing proposition to make a game that we feel every single person will enjoy the same way. Though we certainly would love to strive for as broad a player base as possible because it means that the game itself has a lot of uh, foundation to it that's very uh, attainable and you can have fun in your own way. You know, it's play Hearthstone your own way has been something that we've always talked about and continue to kind of say, you know, out loud, beat in press or talking to fans or whatever is that we do want it to be a game you can play your way. That's why there's PvE, that's why there's PvP, certainly now more than ever. Um, that's why tavern brawls exist. That's why arena is there. That's why fireside gatherings exist as a social opportunity for players. All of these things are in response to a want for or a player's want to engage in this game and, and the community that it builds in a way that feels very personal to them. Um, so it's something we look forward to going forward. Um, we, we're excited every time someone else joins the fray. And uh, we, we look forward to 2019 and the years beyond as a result.
1: Look, I mean, when I was able to get rid of my CD collection for a digital uh, you know environment, <laughs> I loved that and th- the ability to have gotten rid of racks of old boxes of cards sure. and go, look I can still own thousands of cards, but they don't take up any space anymore.
0: I love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, significant others really like that part of this game, I would say more than anything else.
1: Um to close things out, I'm curious about favorite type things. Now, I'm sure okay. ev- every every child is, you know, every card no, is like no. a child, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm curious not just about what some of your all-time favorite card art might be, but also flavor text. I think mm-hmm. we so often we overlook flavor, but then when you, when I actually, I love to go scrolling through, and because people are cracking some great jokes mm-hmm. inside the flavor text. So curious if anything's leaped to mind for you across art and then even sure. some of those little cute hidden away moments that are in there in the game.
0: So there's, there's again, a bunch, of, you're right, to refer to them as children because they are all <laughs> very much that. That said, uh, flavor text start there. Is among one of my favorite things because i would say that's an area where the team as a whole gets involved yeah um every set that comes out the the call goes out across the team and this extends everywhere from directors all the way to qa uh to any group you know affiliated with hearthstone um, Is this
1: like people at Lucasfilm getting to be stormtroopers? You know yeah, that kind basically. of. Basically, <laughs> sure. That's it. I
0: mean, it's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's a guys give us your funniest lines. Awesome. Uh, gals, if you've got a good you know line to add to this, let's let's add it. And the Excel sheet goes out, and people put in their best quips and their best jokes. I mean, nothing's better than the collective uh, hive mind of nerdery that exists <laughs> in, in an environment like Blizzard. But of all of those, and I think some of this probably comes back to my my love and adoration of music, but particularly that from the 70s, um, would be carry and grub uh, with the carry on my wayward grub uh, <laughs> flavor text is still a winner in my mind. And one that still makes me smile to this day every time I hear someone say it or I, I think about it or play the card. <laughs> it's, it is an awesome uh, flavor text. As far as art. That one's even harder, I would say. Um, I would probably go to I go back to classic, honestly, because um, Archmage Antonitis is still one of my favorites. I think a lot of it was getting to work with Wayne Reynolds, who is not only a friend, but an incredible artist and getting to kind of iterate with him on a character that really up until that point. Was a white marble statue out front of Stormwind, and that's kind of all we had. There was a random version of him from other places, but none with the resolution we would need to create a piece of art from it. So, having those discussions with Wayne about, like, what does the Mage, what does Jaina's teacher, you know, look like, and how does he come across? You know, is it this Obi Wan character? Is it this, like, what do we picture when we think of the Archmage Antonitis? Um, and he came back with a series of four or five thumbnails that all were great. Frankly, any one of them would have made an amazing piece <laughs> to the point that I was like, well, I kind of like this one, but really any of these are a coin toss for me, Wayne, whichever one floats your boat, what excites you the most, go for it. And the resulting piece was so good that when it came out, I, I told him I need to buy that. And that still the original acrylic painting hangs over my desk at work. Um, so I have Archmage Antonitis overlooking everything I do at work uh, since that day. And so that one, I think clearly by, by, just necessity has to be my favorite because i own the original on it so (laughs) and not every piece in hearthstone has one of those so but yeah those are probably my two favorite there um musically so if i look at music i would say it has to be karazhan for me just based again a little bit 70s coming (laughs) in again but i think also it was a it was such an impossible ask and i knew it when we asked it of Andy, which was, what does a '70s take? What does disco Hearthstone sound like? <laughs> that isn't actually disco Hearthstone. Uh, and he dove into it with a plum and just absolutely uh, came up with something that was just spot on. It was perfect, and I, we did not iterate a lot on that. He he nailed it right out the gate, and I think that was the first time. That one in League of Explorers, I think, were the first two sets where it felt like, wow, the music really adds such an atmosphere to each and every one of these. I mean, it did even in the initial set with Classic, it did. But to see such distinctive personality come through, like adventure disco, it's like these are strong beats. Uh, and from that point, I never questioned, you know, how how much a role music could play in all of these things. Um, Card back. What's my favorite card back? Uh, I'm just going down a list. That yeah, cool. You're not even asking. <laughs> but, uh, I love I it. Favorite card back. Um, so two categories of my own. I think the one that I like the most is the BlizzCon card back that was the blue and silver compass rose. I don't mm. remember the name of it. That was given to it, but it's the one that basically uh, feels very Blizzardy because it's blue and silver, but then uh, anybody who's visited the campus or has seen pictures of the campus would recognize that the compass rose on that one is the compass rose from around the orc that sits in the, the center of campus um, and it kind of had a nice crossover feel to it that still felt very Hearthstone while also being very much a call-out to our company values, which I you know, took a, a strong liking to, uh, it, it obviously when, when painting it. If it's anybody else's card back, um, that cupcake one is hard to deny. That That is <laughs> yeah. a really good one. Uh, I it do was really so out of the one.
1: blue at the time. Yeah. yeah. Everything had been quite kind of, like, not serious. Everything, Nothing yeah. about the game is all that serious. But, yeah, to suddenly have a, a shiny, sparkly cupcake was a real turning point for what card backs were going to be. It was be. super
0: exciting to see it, too. I, I honestly, when Jamaro painted that, I was like, what? is that? He's like, it's a (laughs) cupcake, man. What's wrong with this? I'm like, I love it. It's cool. I just, that was totally unexpected. And I think it helped unlock even more about the kind of crazy ones that we would get. And there's some coming up that are super exciting now in light of that. And just kind of like, yeah, really anything could go on these, right? Uh, That it's a place where people get to play the most with, with the art in the game in a way that doesn't drive the game too much in one direction or another. It's kind of a no man's land for art you get to do what you want ben thank you so much for your time thank you very much it was a pleasure talking to you thanks once
1: again to ben thompson for making the time to chat to the scrapyard about all things hearthstone and that is the show for this week if you like what you've heard please subscribe to the show through your favorite podcast apps and do all those helpful things like leave reviews and share it with your friends And let me know what cool stuff you get when you start cracking open Hearthstone packs when Rastakhan's Rumble launches on Tuesday. Don't forget there's always some special quests and events around the launch of each expansion that will offer you up some free packs and even the odd free legendary to help you piece something fun together. Next week... The Scrapyard will return and we will spend some time looking at the new Hearthstone set just after it's gone live and we'll give it the once over after playing a few rounds ourselves. Plus, who knows what else we might cook up for that show as well. Until then, I'm Seamus Byrne and thanks again for visiting the Scrapyard.